Hi, and welcome to episode 10 of IoT This Week. I'm your host, Craig Smith, and it is October 8th, 2015. Okay, for our first story, uh, GE has made another play with the Internet of Things. They've actually put together a new uh, $1 billion energy business called Current. And what they're looking to do is take the uh, experimentation they do with uh, IoT out of the lab and actually into the real world. So we see uh, G making another play into the Internet of Things, um, along with other big companies like Intel and Microsoft and Amazon and so forth. Um, so it's going to be interesting to see how all this plays out because there is billions and billions of dollars being invested into IoT, and it's hard to imagine that all these big companies could be wrong. Um, but yeah, but for some of the companies that uh, haven't been investing in IoT, they may get left out in the cold um, if, this re- if um, IoT really takes off and it ends up panning out like the, you know, they're predicting for it to be like trillions of dollars and, and so forth. So I don't know. Anyway, it's, uh yeah. It's another big play by GE. And then actually, um, they've actually got a few customers already for this current, um, it's called current, the energy business. So they've got some uh, customers, including Walgreens, uh, Simon Property Group, Hilton, uh, J.P. Morgan, um, Hospital Corp. of America, and Intel. So, so far the article's saying that they are saving between 10% and 20% of of their electricity bills right now. And what Current is aiming to achieve is $5 billion in revenue by 2020, and they have roughly $500 million in financing available to customers um, if they want to uh, join the uh, Current program. Okay, then our next story involves uh, M2M Spectrum Networks where they've actually uh, announced that they've joined the LoRa Alliance. So that's L-O-R-A. So if you happen to remember from an earlier podcast, there was actually a um, Amsterdam was actually looking to do a public IoT network based on LoRa, which LoRa stands for Long Range Wireless IoT Protocol. So M2M Spectrum Networks has actually joined this alliance uh, in an effort to try to standardize on some kind of um, low-power wide area network. Um, So it's interesting uh, that we see a push, finally see some push going on to try to um, standardize some of these, some of the many different protocols that IoT is currently using. And... And as part of the article, they talk about uh, long-range wide-area networks. Um, actually, they've, that's called LoRa WAN. And the endpoints have some uh, distinctive properties um, that make it um, useful for um, IoT and M2M, M2M applications. So some of the uses they note in the article are asset tracking and micro-tracking, medical and e-health, um, industrial monitoring and control, smart cities, smart, ho- smart homes and buildings, etc. So anyway, so it looks like there's uh, at least some push to try to standardize on some kind of protocol uh, when it comes to IoT. 
And it looks like this one may be a may be a good protocol um, low raw because it's specifically designed for IoT instead of trying to um, use IoT over existing Wi-Fi or existing Bluetooth, uh, et cetera. And since we are talking about uh, LoRa, a another story involves uh, Archos, where they've announced the launch of PicoWAN. So that's P-I-C-O-W-A. In. Um, it's another low-power wide-area network, which is uh, based on LoRa. So it's kind of so. While we're trying to standardize, um, it looks like we're still we've got some different names. Looks like for some of the same types of networks. So even though this is called PicoWAN, it's still based on LoRa, which I guess kind of tries to make it um, a standard and you know not go off and make another uh, different. Uh, protocol for IoT. So anyway, this is another um, another effort to make a um, IoT network, and it looks like um, what they're trying to do is make it low cost. So the article notes that the cost of a Pico gateway is about a hundred times less than the cost of um, some rooftop installations. Um, where on the rooftop there'd be a um, probably like some kind of wireless uh, base station or some kind of relay station or or some something like that. Um, so anyway, it looks like there is part of the deployment they're looking to, and this is part of a deployment within or throughout um, Europe. They're trying to distribute up to two hundred thousand free Pico gateways by the end of two thousand sixteen. So. So we'll see how that goes. They also are they also offer as part of the uh free Pico gateway offering, they offer a subscription um that's for a certain amount per year per connected object. So it looks like they're trying to put together a some kind of low cost solution for again, um just implementing IoT various IoT devices like citywide or countrywide or whatever. And then our next story um, involves IoT and Formula One, so which it's makes the story uh, very interesting to me because I'm a huge fan of Formula One racing. And so, as part of the uh, Formula One racing, um, they obviously they go to different countries. They go to you know uh, 19 or 20 different tracks around the world. So there's tons of equipment that needs to be shipped to all these different races. So what they're gonna Looks like what they're proposing to do is to work with AT&T to basically connect all these different things that they ship around to different races and connect it through AT&T's um, IoT tracking network um, to make sure that they can keep track of all the different pieces and so forth of these very expensive race cars that they ship around the world. So uh, that'll be... Um, That'll be interesting to see how that plays out because obviously it's got to be a, I mean, for all these teams, um, there's, it's a huge logistics nightmare, I would think, to try and ship all these different parts and pieces for each Formula One race um, around to various parts of the world and to make sure that all these things get there in one piece and they actually get there to begin with so they have them avail available for the racing. Uh, but it looks like AT&T has already done this sort of thing for, I believe you say it, uh, Maersk or Maersk, 
Um, M-A-E-R-S-K. It's the huge shipping company. You've probably seen them in movies and so forth with the huge um, container ships and and so forth. So it looks like they've already, ATT has already connected more than like 290,000 refrigerated containers as part of working with the shipping, shipping company. So anyway, it looks like uh, Formula One and the Red Bull racing team looks like they may be interested in um, seeing if they can apply some of this uh, IoT technology to, you know, the logistics and so forth that they need to um, make sure all their races happen and all their cars getting the right, get to the right countries and all the pieces and parts show up. And then it looks like, um, as I kind of alluded to earlier in the podcast, um, Amazon is actually jumping into the Internet of Things with a cloud offering that is similar to uh, Microsoft's um, Azure for IoT. Um, Then also IBM and some other companies also have similar offerings um, to where they're putting um, or trying to take advantage of the Internet of Things and leveraging their... um, some of their existing cloud offerings. So again, it's another large company making a large um, gamble or play or whatever you want to call it in into IoT. So again, it'll be um, it's going to be exciting to see how all these um, different investments and so forth play out um, when it comes to IoT and the cloud. All right, so we mentioned trying to standardize on protocols earlier in the podcast, uh, but now in the um, not standardizing IoT protocols. So Nest has released uh, Weave that's connected with their various devices, and it's a uh, you know, connected home protocol. But um, as I'm sure you're aware, um, Google bought Nest, but... It's not the same as Google's Weave that's part of the Brillo platform. So, yeah, so we've got the same company now putting out two different variations of their Weave um, home-connected protocols. So, yeah, in the same vein that some companies are trying to standardize, then we've got Google um, basically trying to confuse things by having two different uh, Weave protocols out there. So... I don't know. I'm, I'm guessing eventually they'll merge the two till they're one, into one Weave protocol. But for now, basically, there's a Weave. Like I mentioned, there's a Weave that's part of the Brillo platform. And there's a Weave that's part of um, Nest. And any devices that are going to connect to Nest will probably need to use this Weave protocol so that they can say, you know, works with Nest. So, yeah. Hopefully they'll, uh, hopefully they'll combine these two into just one protocol instead of having two which I'm sure are going to confuse people. Okay, so let's talk a little about security and privacy. So we've got a few different um, stories we'll go through here um, over the next few minutes. Um, So it looks like uh, we're starting to see some um, encryption and verification protocols and so forth be put forward for IoT to uh, make these various um, platforms more secure. So it's pretty exciting to see some of these um, start to come out. So and I haven't delved into this one too deeply, but it's the article. Basically, it's called Processor-Based Verification, So, and it's called the uh, EPID Protocol, and that stands for Enhanced Privacy ID um, Protocol. And basically, it's uh, the protocol's uh, part of um, – it's part of um, – 
analog and mixed signal processors, so it's built directly into the chips, and it's not part of uh, it's not part of the software at the software level of a system. So it should be more secure in that it's actually built directly in the chips. Um, but one of the advantages of the protocol is that it allows users to be verified as part of an authorized group um, rather than by a private security key. So again, I haven't delved into this too much, um, but it might be interesting from the standpoint of IoT ecosystems because a lot of these products are going to be part of huge ecosystems. And if there's a way to basically, you know, as a group, um, have these ecosystems uh, be able to verify each other and be able to tell whether a particular device is supposed to be part of their ecosystem. Um, I don't know. That'll be pretty exciting to see how that all how that all works out um, in in regards to IoT and ecosystems and making those ecosystems more secure, whether it be from encryption or like this article is stating processor uh, based verification. And then speaking of um, different security pieces and uh, implementations and uh, mechanisms coming to IoT, um, <clears throat> actually Microsoft is going to be bringing um, Secure Boot and BitLocker or something similar to BitLocker to their Windows 10 IoT core. So that's going to be interesting. Um, and I think I'll take this time to mention it. Uh, so I'm going to start adding uh, videos um, as part of this podcast or maybe as like little separate pieces. So like for episodes, since this is episode 10, I may come out with a video that's like 10.1, you know, that's related to something I talked about during that week on the podcast. Um, so anyway, so the first video will be, it's just sort of simple, you know, it's nothing fancy. Um, it's less than 10 minute video on how to install um, Windows 10. IoT core onto a Raspberry Pi 2. So basically it takes you from um, opening up the ISO that has the uh, firmware image in it. Um, you actually have to install that into, you know, Windows. It could be a Windows VM or whatever. Then you actually write that to an SD card that you can use in the Raspberry Pi. And then once you do that, you can actually boot up the um, Raspberry Pi and it'll be running Windows 10 IoT core. So anyway... <clears throat> As part of that down the road, and I don't think, I don't know if that's turned on in this particular version that I did the video on or not, or these two features, um, but as these things get turned on, so like I mentioned, um, Secure Boot and BitLocker, um, we'll take a look at those and I'll put together some short videos basically just demonstrating those. So anyway, like I said, Microsoft, um, they're bringing some uh, security mechanisms into IoT, which is great. And then NIST, um, back in, uh, well, just a couple weeks ago um, in September, they put forth a framework um, that uh, covers cyber-physical security. So I haven't gone through the entire framework, and I'm sure it's um, as, as all NIST uh, publications. And if you don't know what NIST stands for, it's National Institute of Standards and Technology. Um, if you haven't ever looked at their site, take a look. I mean, they publish lots of different various standards on lots of different things. Uh, but anyway, so the one they put forth now is on cyber physical security. And I'm sure it's, I mean, I'm sure it's detailed and goes into lots, lots of different aspects about physical security and um, 
how it relates to cybersecurity. But anyway, uh, take a look at that. It's a draft framework. It's not final. So, you know, I think they usually, you know, when it's draft, I don't know if it's open to comments or whatever, but, uh, but do take a look at that, especially if you're doing anything with IoT because um, physical security is actually going to be a big part of IoT, whether it's from the consumer standpoint or industrial IoT or whatever. Um, it's going to be important. So uh, take a look at that in this framework and, you know, see how it looks. Okay, so just a couple of mentions in the upcoming conferences um, section of the podcast. So there was an article on, um, you know, actually this is part of, um, if you guys haven't looked at the site, it's called Concise Courses. Um, but anyway, they have lots of, they have a quite a quite a comprehensive list of security events. Uh, but anyway, they had an article <clears throat> talking about the top five cybersecurity conferences in New York. So these aren't specifically IoT, but they are cybersecurity um, but they listed out the top five. So if you have, happen to be in New York or you, you know, you're going to be traveling to New York, you might want to check out these conferences and see what times, um, they actually occur. So let me just go through these real quick. So the first one's the international conference on cybersecurity, uh, Fordham university. The second one is cyber summit USA. The third one is annual cybersecurity conference. The fourth one is the New York Metro Joint Cybersecurity Conference, and the one they, the fifth one they have listed on here is the first annual uh, Billington Corporate Cybersecurity uh, Cybersecurity Summit. So anyway, so those as those are some of the top five as Concise Courses sees it. Um, and then the other thing I want to mention about Concise Courses, which I just um, mentioned earlier is that they do have a comp- comprehensive list of security events. So if you're looking for s- upcoming security events and, you know, conferences that might be in your area, um, definitely take a look at that site. <clears throat> and then again, as I usually mention on each podcast, there's a event site that's specific to internet of things. And it's called of all things, internet of things events. Um, then it also has a pretty comprehensive list of upcoming IOT conferences. Okay, and then on the learning about IoT front, uh, Arduino has a uh, device called the Wi-Fi Shield 101. Uh, It's available for about $50 uh, US, and it's another device similar to, say, like the Raspberry Pi that I've talked about earlier in the podcast, Uh, basically just for experimenting with... uh, different aspects of IOT. So it might be if you're, if you haven't bought a Raspberry Pi or some other um, device, um, this might be one that you might want to look at that's relatively inexpensive um, for experimenting with IOT. And then the second thing I'll mention um, as far as learning about IOT um, and talking about the Raspberry Pi 2, um, there's um, a, actually a starter kit that's been released for the Raspberry Pi 2, and that's the Model B. So it's a starter kit, and it actually includes five courses um, for learning about the, learning about the Internet of Things. Um, so let's see. So the article... Um, so in addition to the hardware, um, the five courses included in the bundle includes an intro to Raspberry Pi, um, hardware projects using Raspberry Pi, Python programming for beginners, um, PyBot, which is um, an exercise that teaches you how to build your own Raspberry Pi-powered robot, 
And then the last one, the last course is the introduction to iterative things using Raspberry Pi 2. So anyway, uh, that's interesting. Uh, again, if you haven't bought a device for experimenting with IoT, um, this might be a good one um, because in addition to the hardware itself, it actually comes with uh, some courses to help you get started in uh, learning about the Internet of Things and the various different devices and different things you can do with it. Okay, so I've added kind of a new area to the podcast um, because it's there's enough going on um, that's kind of different and separate from regular IoT that I probably want to start bringing up a few things and talking about a few topics. So that's the industrial IoT. So just a few things for this week, and we'll start adding more into future podcasts. But it looks like uh, SanDisk, which I'm sure most people know that they make lots of different thumb drives, and flash drives and so forth. So they've actually put together and they're introducing introducing a flash portfolio for the industrial IoT. So basically it looks like they're just <clears throat> they're flash flash drives that are you know a bit more rugged and you know um able to withstand harsh environments um that might be that they might experience as part of industrial IoT. So anyway, I just thought that was interesting to throw that out there that even like the flash drive guys are getting into the uh, IOT market. And then as part of uh, the industrial IOT and kind of learning about the industrial IOT, um, <clears throat> looks like uh, RCR Wireless News is actually putting together, and I think this is next week on the 14th, um, they're putting together a one-hour live broadcast where they talk about the industrial IOT. So the uh, name of the broadcast is called Industrial IoT, Designing, Testing, and Securing the Next Megatrend. So as part of the article, uh, some of the key discussion points will include impact of industrial IoT in terms of the economy, vertical market sectors impacted by industrial IoT, um, what skills will be in the greatest demand as part of industrial IoT, the role of mobile operators in the industrial IoT, um, again, design, test, and security implementations of industrial IoT versus wearables. And then um, they'll talk about some industrial IoT use cases. So anyway, I think I'll uh, definitely try to, to um, watch this one-hour broadcast just to uh, get some more in- information in regards to industrial IoT. And it's probably also it'd probably be a great um, learning experience if you haven't um, delved into IOT uh, much lately. So I would definitely take a look at this. Again, it's uh, RCR Wireless News, and it's a one-hour live broadcast next week to talk about the industrial IOT. And then finally, as I mentioned in the last podcast, um, at the end of each of the podcast, I wanted to um, just list out a couple of the IOT things of the, di- things of the day that uh, Shodan finds on the Internet. So... Two of the things they've found lately are trains, yes, trains, and power inverters. So, uh, yeah, there you go. So that's just a couple more things that uh, Shodan has been able to manage to find connected to the Internet for what appears to be no apparent reason. So I don't know. I'm sure there, there maybe there's a good reason for having these things connected to the Internet, but, uh, yeah, I don't know. Um, so anyway, so like I mentioned um, earlier in the podcast, 
I'm going to start adding videos um, as um, little extras to these podcasts, and those should be posted up um, along with this podcast soon. Um, as always, if you have any comments or suggestions or things you'd like to see on the podcast, um, feel free to go to craigsmith.net. Again, um, I think I mentioned this in an earlier podcast. I kind of um, consolidated um, a few different websites into my main website. So if you go to craigsmith.net, um, just look for the latest podcast, and you can actually put comments in there. Um, I'm also on Twitter at craigz28. That's Craig. Z is in Zebra 28, and I can be contacted on there. So that's the podcast for this week, and have a great day.